Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. What's up, 318 Live? Come on, y'all can be louder than that. How y'all doing? All right, y'all can be seated. It is so good to be here. I'm so glad to be here with my wife. Um, this, is, this is such an honor to sit and be able to um, be a part of this series, Kiss and Tell. And uh, we're just excited. We've been talking uh, back and forth about what this night would look like, what we would share. And uh, we're just super excited. So um, this is part three. Who has been here, quick by a show of hands, who has been here uh, the first two nights? I know we had Labor Day. Uh, you were there week one with Brandon. How many enjoyed that? Wasn't that so good? And then week two with Pastor Philip and Destiny, were you here for that? Who has not been here for the Kiss and Tell series? Raise your hand. You have not been here. Come on, somebody. Well, we should probably get started. How are you doing? Yes. Okay, Brittany is a worship leader. She goes, I love, I can do worship, but talking is a whole other thing. But she's an amazing communicator. Can we get up one more time for Brittany? They love you. <laughs> she's like, get, get over, move on. Um, so a little bit about us, who we are, what we do. Uh, I am the student pastor here at North Point Community Church. Come on, somebody. And... Um, and uh, Brittany, she is a worship leader, and uh, come on, somebody. I'll tell you a little bit about how she, how, uh, she got so blessed to have me in her life here in a minute, but um, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. If I look like I'm gazing because I can't see you, I'm like, who are you people? It's just a light. So, um, so uh, we have three wonderful children. I don't know if they're going to throw the picture up, kind of what our family dynamic looks like. And so... Uh, Yep, Instagram's not real, so in between all these photos, uh, they were running around hectic, we were screaming, but that was like one of the good shots. So uh, in the middle, in the plaid, that's Charlie, she is eight years old, she is amazing, Presley, and she is five, and Gavin is four, and that is the Tidwell party of five. And so um, that's who we are. But Go you ahead. say Instagram's not real. And if you do follow me, I typically post the real moments with my kids because everybody's always saying, oh, my God, your kids are so cute. They're so perfect. And I'm like, no, they are in public. And so I try to show the real life episodes that they have when they're just crying and upset and being dramatic. And he gets so upset. He's like, don't post those. Don't post the real. Don't do that. Just post fake. Make us look good. Stop. And I'm like, no. No, we're going to, I'm, I'm not going to show anything inappropriate, <laughs> but I'm going to post the female meltdowns that happen at my house all the time. So All the time. Raising two girls and a boy, it's a trip. Um, so um, anybody, real quick, uh, if you're in this room tonight and you're married, can I see a show of hands? Any married people in the house represent. Hey. We got license to do things. The rest of you can't. Come on, somebody. Um I know it's totally overplayed to have sex jokes, but it's fun anyways. Okay, if you are dating, raise your hand. If you are in a relationship and you would say, I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, raise your, extend your elbow. Some of you are kind of like maybe, like, own it proud. <laughs> own it. You are in a relationship. She put her hand it up and down. Be. She was like, <laughs> they were fighting before 318, yeah, I guess. Yeah, no. they might not be after this. <laughs> okay, if you're single, 
Stand to your feet. If you're single, stand to your feet. I just want to, can we make some noise, single people? Now everybody look around real quick. See who she is. See who he is. I want to say so many things right now. <laughs> if you were here like four, five, three weeks ago or however long ago, yeah. Anyways, um, I have so many soapboxes with this. So uh, we'll get started. Uh, tonight's going to be great because um, we're simply just going to talk and we're going to share um, our story. Uh, and then we're going to have a time of Q&A and hopefully we'll get some benefit from our time together. You excited? All right. All right. So. Uh, week one, uh, Brandon Mitchell uh, started the, I don't know if my mic keeps going out, if that's me or if it's the battery. Can you check that in the back? I'll just keep talking in it. Uh, Brandon, um, he said a few things I thought were pretty interesting. We're just going to recap the first two weeks real quick. Uh, he said something that was pretty phenomenal. He said he looked up some statistics and that he says your generation, right, is not as sexually active as a previous generation, Brandon's generation, uh, and something that he said that I thought was pretty phenomenal. He said, uh, you have a fear that sex will cause you to end up being in long-term relationships, and that's why you're not sexually active as the previous generations, whereas our generation, uh, I, would, I would figure out what's going to lead to sex. Uh, typically, right now, generally speaking, your generation is, um, is afraid of diving in and being that intimate because of, it's going to turn into a long-term relationship. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, you're afraid of where sex will lead. And uh, Philip and Destiny came week two. I mean, Brandon said a lot more than that, but that was really good. And I want to keep tonight minimal as possible. Uh, Philip and Destiny uh, talked about a few things, and I thought they both uh, shared so much wisdom. They opened up out of Proverbs, and I thought it was just so, so, so good. Um, she said that knowing the season you are in, right? Know the season that you're in. And they hit a nerve, I think, because so many relationships, they act like they're married when they're just dating, right? And, and how many know that couple or you've been that couple where like, like you're doing laundry or cooking or you have these high expectations when you're dating that's like unrealistic and somebody's going to get their feelings hurt because you're not married, but you're acting like you're married. Like that, that makes no sense. And so they really hit on that. I thought that was key. And then Destiny, I love how she said, uh, love at first sight is not a real thing. Like how it's like, it's, it's like, I don't know why, but she, she defined it pretty well. She says, it's chemistry at first sight. Yeah. It was definitely chemistry at first sight. <laughs> when I saw you, it was, I was, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I love you. So, um, backstory, uh, getting into our relationship. And again, we're just going to kind of go through our story. And then as something uh, hits a nerve with you or you want to ask us a question, we are not Wikipedia. We don't claim to know it all, but um, we will do our best to guide you and give you an answer. And we'll have some time at the end of our talk. And then we're going to go right back into worship. And then hopefully our time will be fruitful tonight. A um, little backstory for me, because our relationship started around 2000, 2001. But before I met Brittany, uh, we'll just kind of give you an idea about where our, our dynamics uh, of our family being raised. I do not come from a church background. Uh, my parents divorced when I was three years old. At that time, they were each other's second marriage. Um, and then since then, they've ha both had four divorces each. And uh, there's me and a half-sister. And so uh, in, my, in my family uh, dynamics, there was uh, addiction, drugs, alcohol, relationship after relationships. Uh, how I knew to manage life Right? I wasn't raised in church. God was not a part of my childhood. 
Uh, I didn't go to church. I didn't go to any church services. I knew people at a distance that called themselves Christians in our community, but I had no clue what that looked like, sounded like. I just had no knowledge of it. And so um, everything I knew, all the influences was, as most of us, is how our parents lived, how they raised us, what we saw them do, how they reacted and responded to life, right? How my dad managed money, right? He had a gambling problem. Uh, uh, and he just burnt money like it grew on trees. That's how I handled money, right? How he handled relationships, how my mom handled relationships. That's how I figured to, to handle and manage relationships. And so obviously, uh, if it's without God, it doesn't work. It's break, it breaks down. There's drama. There's frustration. And so there was just a lot of drama in my childhood and growing up in my life when it came to relationships. I had a very unhealthy perspective on what relationships should look like. And then Brittany has a totally different backstory. I was brought up in church, and so my parents are still together, which I'm, I'm, I know now is an incredible blessing, but back in the day, I just thought that that was normal. Um, and so, yeah, my parents are still together. I had, all of my friends would call my family like the seventh heaven. Were y'all even around for seventh heaven? Do y'all remember? Okay, so they would call Such my family like the seventh, <laughs> the seventh heaven family, and I never really understood it until, um, until I went to college and my whole world just opened up because my mom believed in raising me under a very, very strict thumb. And so I was incredibly naive and unaware of so many things. And then I met this, this guy and he, <laughs> he just enlightened me in so many ways. And so, <laughs> um, but yeah, we were brought up completely opposite from two totally different sides of the track, if you will. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. In my perspective, her <laughs> when I met her, like, her family, like, it's probably not reality. But I remember, like, they had Bibles on bookshelves, and they had scripture, and her grandparents had, like, scripture, like, monogrammed on some Afghan on the wall. Like, and it was just, like, yeah, they, did it, they didn't. But, it, like, it makes for a better, it's my story. Sorry. And so the way I saw it, I was like, man, these people are, like, super Christian. Like, this is okay. Like, this is what I'm working with, right? It was rough. It was. So anyway, but that's, I mean, that's really about it. I just, I grew up in church, but I will say this, um, where his, where he would talk about his dysfunctions and they were so out in the open and it was very obvious to most people. I had dysfunctions too, but my family was so great about hiding it. Um, and I didn't realize that until later because I went to church all the time, but I had no idea who God was. God was so far away and so unreachable and untouchable, and I had no idea, like, when people say you need to live for God, and I'm like, yeah, but how do you do that, you know, and so it was just this constant question, and it was always this, this level of perfection that I was never going to be able to reach, and so I always felt like a complete failure in my house all the time, and it was always, you know, live for God, live for God, live for God, and I'm just going, I'm like, I'm a good kid, I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, I didn't have sex for a long time, and so I would mean, I was in the world standards, I was a good girl. And so it was it was interesting to say, because we both have a dysfunctional family. They're just, they're, they're different in the way that they're hidden. So. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because when you're not raised in a godly home in life, you think you're winning, right? Like, if you got the job, like, I was bartending, had all the cash, I was buying pills, I was smoking it, drinking it, eating everything I could, had multiple relationships, I was living this life, I thought I was winning. And, um, and when I'm looking at somebody like her back then, I'm like, man, she's got it going on. Her life is together. Like, it's, it's great. And that's interesting to hear because it's, from the outside looking in, you did look like, you know, everything was good. But um, as we got to know each other, like she said, she met me, and it 
kind of spiraled down. Um, we met uh, in the March of 2000. I was a sophomore at C.E. Bird High School. Any Bird Yellow Jackets in the house? No. Nope. What? How many? Yeah, come on, somebody. I love it. Uh, Shreve High School. Anybody that went to Shreve? <laughs> One. <laughs> Faithful Louie. Okay. <laughs> well, we were rivals. She was a senior at Shreve. I was a sophomore at Bird when we met. And uh, we could have dated that year, um, but we didn't. And because. Uh, story. Just tell it. But tell it honest. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. He tells this story, and I'm, I'm sitting in the background because okay. I've learned I'm not going to embarrass him anymore, and I'm just sitting there going, you lie. How, like, you're how, a lion. Like, this is not how this happened. Basically, see, what happened was we had some chemistry at first sight, right? And then um, a friend of mine called me, and he was like, hey, bro, I'm dating this girl. What? No, it was one-sided. One-sided. Oh, <laughs> because when we met, I had this, I had this was, image problem. He was Backstreet Hey, boy do we have the other picture? <laughs> do we have the other picture? She doesn't know I'm going to show this. Look at this. <laughs> I look like I was trying better. to, like, try out for a Hollister campaign or something. that's better, though. That's better because before he had Dang. blonde tips. I had the and Popeye frosted. hoops. I had these earrings. Like he had, like he could wear these earrings in his ears, and he approached me. <laughs> I mean, she was at BuzzFest, like and that. I was just walking. She won. She won this talent show. I was like, "Say, girl, I'm not like talking to myself. I'm about to get this girl's number, right?" And then she goes. <laughs> I literally walk up to her. She just won. She's staring at me. And she, what'd you say? I was like, "Hey, I'm mad. You did such a good job." And you said, "I was like, thanks. Here's my friend Haley." And hey. <laughs> And just walks off. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Okay, you can take that down. That is horrific. We were totally tan, though, by the way. There was no filter. There was no filters back then. Anyways. Yeah, no, there's no filters. That was a real tan. Anyways. Where were we in our story? (laughs) So we, um, so anyways, so yeah, so we had an opportunity to date. And basically she said, um. We were going to go on a date or something like that, and a buddy of mine called. We'll make this super quick because this is totally a rabbit trail, but it's funny. A friend of mine was like, hey, I'm dating this girl. She goes to Southwood, da-da-da, and I'm like, cool, okay, why are you telling me? Because she's got a twin sister. They're both really hot. You should come hang out. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And so I thought it was like it's like the idea, like we're going to date these twins. It's going to be epic. Here's the key. He was supposed to be picking me up to go on a date that night. Burn. Right? No call. <laughs> Nothing. I did not hear from him. Was it three weeks or three months? I really can't About remember. About three months. It was a three. It's a three. And he, he, call, he calls me out of the blue. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, no. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just be like, I'm like, let's, we can just be friends. Like, you're funny. Because he did. He made me laugh. He always made me laugh. And I loved that. So I was like, well, we'll just, we'll just be good friends. After it's proof that you cannot be good friends. It leads to other things. Yeah, it really so does. After a year of being good friends, we finally, we finally, I, I will say after a year of wearing me down. <laughs> I tried. I was I pursuing this girl like nobody's business. I finally said, business. okay, sure. Well, let's, let's go out. And he did it right. He did it right that time. So we started dating June 26, 2001, our dating anniversary. And uh, it's been, what's the math on that? It's been 16 years. We've been together for 16 years. Uh, married, 17, 16, 2001, so our math's a little off, and then uh, we've been married uh, nine years in October, and yes. 
It's been amazing. Yes. It's been amazing. But it hasn't always been amazing. Um, from that point on, the story kind of shifts. It kind of changes. Um, as we, as I graduated high school, got into some things. Uh, obviously, uh, my senior year, things right after my senior year, drugs and alcohol really grips my life, and I really just kind of spiraled down. Um, shortly after, we just started, you know, we were clubbing, dancing, things like that, things that she was not um, used to doing. She wasn't racist. She knew right from wrong. Her parents hated us, absolutely hated us. Again, she is no longer in the church. I'm not raising the church. Now we're out, we're dating out in the world, living it up the best that we knew how, and we were fully living, I mean, to the point where we were actually living together at some point. Yeah, we lived together for a year, um, and it was, was it during that? Yeah, we were living together, and it was one night. We were just, I was, I think we came home at sunrise, and we were sitting on my, sitting on the driveway, and I, I remember I was so drunk. I was looking at the sunrise, and I'm just boohooing this big old mess, and I just was, I, I said the statement of, I just want to feel like I did when I was a little girl. I just want to have that peace again, and I'm like, <laughs> who even says that? And he was like, okay, well, what does that look like? And I said, I just need to, we just need to go to church. Or I said, I do. I was like, I need to go to church, which was hilarious that that's the first thing that I ran to. And so that started. Yeah, when you said that, that freaked me out because yeah. church was like a big, like, no, like, we not going to church. I can't handle that. If whatever you're doing. But when she said that in my mind, I had to make a decision. Yeah. I had to say, I'd, either I'm going to keep the relationship or lose a relationship. And so when she said this, I think it took me like a split second because I was really like there was so much chemistry. We were living together, sleeping together. For me, I'd found like the pinnacle, like the catch of the decade, like I'd like of a lifetime, like this girl's it. And I don't want to lose her. So when you said that, it was really interesting because I had not experienced church, but I was willing to go because you said you needed that. But I yeah. didn't know what that looked like. So we church shopped. I don't know if any of y'all have ever done that. That's an actual thing. You just hop around churches until you find your fit. Um, and so we did. And we landed at SCC um, and in October of 2004. Which is funny because that's where your parents were going, and they were so against Yeah, they were so upset. So we we sat on the opposite side yeah, we totally of where they that. were. We're going to sit over there. We brought the drama to church. <laughs> and so anyway, in October, we both just decided that we were going to do this right. And we were going to – and that meant – whatever it meant at the time and um so we did we decided that we just made we made this decision to just get our lives right and so we did it was the fall of 2004 um i was bartending you had gone to this church play whatever it was sec uh god completely got a hold of her uh born again completely different when she called me um Mind you, there was there was times where she would call, and I'm, there's people there. There's the, all the stuff that goes on with my job. And she sounded like a completely different person, and she goes, I really want you to come tomorrow night. I really want you to be there. And so I got my shift change. I went, and uh, uh, for the first time ever, literally, I was so nervous about going to church. I was so nervous about being in a church building that I literally took a couple more pills out of my pocket, ate a little bit more, smoked one, and I literally just was, like, so nervous I wanted to not be there. Uh, mentally, and so I kind of prepared myself for this, whatever was going to happen. Little did I know God was, what I was nervous about was God, and the Holy Spirit were really drawing me in, drawing me near, uh, and that night, literally like she did on October 13th, October 14th for me, uh, God completely delivered me, set me free, we both born again, and God, and we've never looked back, but I will say, that's when it got hard. Yeah. That's when it got hard, yes. because it wasn't even... 
24 hours, and here's the thing is that, and so we're dating, and so we dated years on the other side of the fence without God, without serving God. We dated, lived the way, again, like I said, my influences in my life influenced how I treated her, how I managed our life, and say, hey, we can do whatever we want. We can live the way we want. This is, this is, we, we are adults, right? We think we know uh, how to do this, and it just didn't work out that way. I mean, I can't tell you how many times before fall of 2004, how many times we were in a Walmart at 3 o'clock in the morning buying a $20 EPT test, making sure that she wasn't pregnant, and she was stressing out if she was going to miss her period or not. Like, real talk, like, how many, like, countless times that we had all these pregnancy scares and all these things and all these issues in our mind, and we're like, and if you think about it, if you've ever been in a relationship outside the will of God, like, there is so much baggage attached to that. Like, there is so much drama, and how many of you know, like, that's not, that's not how we're supposed to live life. That's not how we're supposed to date and sleep around and just whatever, hey, and be careless about it. That's not life. But it's completely normal. That's what everybody will tell you. This is, this is how relationships are. This is normal to feel this way and to do these things. And we just decided we wanted to create a new normal. Um, and that's what we did. And so we, we made this decision in October, and then we had to have honest conversations with each other. And that was, what it all entailed, and I'll just shorten it up, is we basically just took the label of, hey, we're together, off the table. And we just said, all right, I, I really like you, because I can't, you know, and that I'm looking back now, and I know I use the word love, but I, it wasn't love, it was lust. And so, you know, we'll just backtrack, and it's like, okay, you know, I really love you, but I can't do this and be with you. I can't, I can't have split priorities. And so we made the hard decision to, hey, we're going to be in the same circle because we were. We were, we hung, all of our friends were the same, um, new and old. And so we just decided that we'll be, we'll be around each other, but we're not with each other. And so I moved back home, and that was tough, living with my parents. Um, and he moved, he moved in with um, a much better friend than what he, <laughs> what he had had before. I mean, this guy at 5 a.m. every morning got up and prayed in tongues. Yeah, I loudly, wanted to punch him in the face. Yeah, Loudly. I was like, "That's if this is what being a man of God looks like, <laughs> I don't think right. that's going to be me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, but we did that, and that was, and w- without, without the, <laughs> you said his name, didn't you? Did you just say Nathan. No, that's so, you threw it under the bus. He lives in McKinney now, unless you're watching Not live, okay. Nathan. I love you. Not you okay. are a man of God. <laughs> he really is good influence. And anyways, great. greatest so anyway, roommate ever. <laughs> anyway, so we, <laughs> God, okay, we're <laughs> about to try. It was really, it was really, really, really hard um, to navigate and to really just let God take control. Um, and for somebody who's a control freak, which is <laughs> me, it was in me. That was hard. It was very, very hard to to look at him and not do what we've always done and so it was it was just an interesting time soul tie right yeah there was a soul tie there what made the 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 difficult thing was okay now we have all this chemistry all this connection all this history and now we are surrendering our mind our will and emotions our thoughts our whole life to something that we can no longer see, feel, and touch. It's, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit. And that was a whole new world for both of us. 
And so after we're looking at it and we have this life, we're experiencing life, we're living together, and now we go into, like, not, not even 24 hours after being born again and giving our heart to God, we're in somebody's living room being discipled. We're serving the church within a week or two. We're, we're entering in this season where we're learning about the Word of God and what God says about relationships. And so literally what had to happen was a rewiring of everything we knew. Everything we knew had to be completely undone and rewired and rerouted, and that is hard. I don't care how holy, how righteous, how amazing you are. Um, if you've done anything outside the will of God and you bring that into the, to the kingdom of God, into the house, it, it's not going to work the way you want it to work. It's going to have to go to the altar. It's going to have to get crucified. And that was the biggest thing was when she said we removed the label, we had to literally crucify our relationship, put it on the cross and be like, we have all this history, but Jesus, you're greater. Your ways are higher. Everything about you is much like we, we began to see the benefit of surrendering our relationship to God. And the hardest thing we had to do was be mature enough to go, what we know as a relationship and how it's supposed to work isn't working. Look at all the drama in the past several years. Look at all the history. Look at all the heartaches. Look at all the late nights, the fights, the, all that stuff. And then look what God promised us. And we're like, it's a no-brainer. We need to give our relationship to God, and we have to surrender that. And that was the, the key for that season was, was surrender and submission. And it's not because you can look at her and be like, okay, well, we're going to do this together. No, no, no. You, you need to do it with you and Jesus. Like you and Jesus, you have to get this correct before you can get this correct. And this, we did it on our own. We did it the way we knew how to do it. But this was brand new. And so when I started realizing this needed attention, we, were, we realized this doesn't matter. I don't care how many times you've had sex with her. It doesn't matter. I don't care how good it feels. I don't care what it pleases on the inside of you and how it makes you feel and wanted and desired. It doesn't matter. This is much more beneficial. This, is, this feels way much better when you really connect and surrender to that. You know, and he was, we were talking about this point in particular, um, either last night or this morning when we were talking about what was one of the main things as far as dating outside of, of God and then dating inside of God. And I was, I laughed and I was like, well, I mean, peace. And that sounds so generic. It really does. But it's so true because like he's mentioning the numerous times that we had pregnancy scares. Well, that's not peace. I mean, that's, that is anxious 24 seven and going to bed and wondering, oh God, what's going to happen? And am I going to be like struck down? You know, all of these things you really do think about. And then also, just the drama that comes with it, the jealousy, because he works late night. So it's like, well, who's up there? Like, who's he talking to? Because he's not with me. And it was just all of this drama. And then to go from that and immediately within 24 hours to have the first night of peaceful sleep in my, like, in my life that I can honestly say. And there was, no, there, was, there was no getting around that. Like, for the first time I could sleep and there was no worry. I knew that I was on the right track. Like, I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to do. And it had nothing to do with him. And that was the biggest thing. And so peace has been the constant for me. It's been the anchor for me. And I don't make decisions if, if peace is not the driving factor. And so, anyway, that was the biggest thing as far as change goes. Yeah, no, and it's, it's so good. And, um, and once you experience that, why would you ever want to go back? You'd be foolish, right? The human nature has it that some of us do. And I think one of the things that kept us was, um, you know, one of the things I see, especially with relationships and dating, is your relationship being submitted to leadership within the church. 
Now, some you don't see much of. And I, I've, I've actually talked to some of you. I've actually talked to some, maybe not in this room, but your generation and people that are dating, figuring out you're in the college years. And, and, and the one thing is, is that, well, I'm an adult, so we've got this. And the truth is, you don't got this. Like, you don't have it. You don't know. You need, mul- there is wisdom in multiple people in your life, speaking, counsel, and all that stuff in your life. Like, like, that is what you need in your life. When I'm telling you we had multiple couples and men and women uh, nine years ago, 10 years ago, 12, 13 years ago now, um, started speaking into our life, not just in our small group, not just in our discipleship group, but like pastors on staff. Uh, and I think here, here's something I told her, too. I said one of the key things we look back over and we see the, the fruit of, of, of the good side of the things that, that were healthy in a relationship came out of. See, I can tell you, you need to surrender your relationship to wise counsel. And you can go find somebody that's married and been there and done that. And you can get some generic wisdom from them. And that's good. And I say that you should do that. But what I want to challenge you with is this, is that go find somebody that really, truly knows you that's married and has been down the road and they can help you, and they have biblical wisdom. Because there's a difference in somebody who can call you out on your stuff because they know you in your relationship and they know you as an individual than somebody who doesn't know you and you're giving them a paycheck to counsel you. Hey, I need premarital counsel. Counsel me. But they don't know you, right? Do you get what I'm saying? And so, so many people, they're afraid of submitting the relationship because they know the truth, and that truth is if they really, if we really let them in, they're going to tell us we don't need to be together. And you don't want to hear that. You want to hear that y'all should be together. You, you want to hear that, that there, y'all can make it work. And the truth is, is it's only by the grace of God in the season of us surrendering our relationship did it work. But we had to go through that. We had to go through the cross and realize that on the other side of it, by the grace of God, he brought us back together. But it wasn't until that we said, okay, I'm going to surrender to the voice of God, right, his word, to men and women who have wisdom, that have godly counsel in my life, and I'm going to adhere to that wisdom, and I'm going to work out that wisdom. And if on the other side of that, in my heart of hearts, I had to go, if she's not included in that plan, that's okay. And I feel like so much drama comes out of you holding on to something you want that God doesn't want for you. So you need to surrender your relationship if you're dating or if you're engaged, even if you're married. Here's a good practice. Counsel at all times. Like even when things are good, even things were bad. Go find godly counsel and surrender your relationship. Hey, here we are. And make sure those people really, truly know you. Right. So they can give you good wisdom. And so I think that's one of the greatest things early on that we did. We said, okay, you know what? So funny because our pastor now, he, um, <laughs> going back, uh, he, his, uh, your dad. My dad asked Philip so Dees, God, this is long, so long ago. I asked Philip Dees <laughs> to take us to, to breakfast. Um, and this is before, this is like BC. And so <laughs> we go to breakfast with Philip Dees, and I know him from like Evangel. I don't even, I didn't even know that he was pastoring, he was coaching at the time. I was like, whatever. So we go eat breakfast with him, and he's just like, well, I mean, do you think God's called you together? And we're like, um, I don't know. And he's like, well, y'all aren't, aren't going to be together. Like, y'all need to break up. Ba- basically, and I'm totally paraphrasing. And I'm going, yeah, we're not going to do that. So, <laughs> But him and so, Destiny became voices in our yes, life after like, the fact. But I've, and since then, I've mentioned that to him. And, he's, and he is so funny, y'all. <laughs> Philip D's, love him. And he goes, well, were you living for God at the time? And we were like, no. no. And he goes, well, then you shouldn't have been together. And I'm like, no, but that's not what you said. Like, that's a technicality on words. Because I'm like, look what God did, you know. So, 
I was thrown in his face. It's all gone. But <laughs> so, but once we once we made the decision to okay, everything's good. Our life, my walk with God's great. His walk with God's great. Our pursuit is healthy individually. Um, we started to make eye contact again. It's not like we ever broke up. We just, like I said, took labels off. And so we we knew that we wanted to date, which is completely fine. And um, but we didn't want to make the same mistakes, which would would have been a lot easier for us because of our past. And so um, we decided to set up boundaries, the horrible B word for for people who are dating. Um, <laughs> and let me tell you, how many else hate boundaries? How many? Oh, hate, hate how many? If you hate rules, can you just raise your hand yes. if you hate rules? Oh, right here. Um, but but I knew <laughs> bunch of sevens. No, you don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. Just in my head. <laughs> kidding, kidding, <laughs> kidding. But the thing with boundaries, and this is something that I learned early on, is that boundaries are easy to set, but they're very hard to keep. They are, they're very easy in the moment when you're in daylight having coffee with people, and you're like, hey, we're not going to do this. Like, we're not going to go sit on the same couch under a blanket and watch a movie. We're not going to do that. You're not going to come in my, my room, even with the door open, and sit and talk while we sit on the bed. We're not going to do that. Um, we're gonna, when it gets dark, we're going to separate, you know, like, because it's true. Nothing good happens in the dark. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and back then, we didn't have movie theater recliner chairs that the arm lifted up. So you had to be really creative. And so, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, boundaries, so great. boundaries are necessary. <laughs> um, but we realized, we realized that boundaries were very, very easy, easy to set and hard to keep. And that also, that also fell into um, submitting it's another horrible word, um, submitting our relationship to people who had been where we were and succeeded. And um, we're able to look at us and say, and here's the thing about submission. Submission is not you just saying, okay, I'm going to do it your way. It's not even about that. It's about allowing yourself to be held accountable with your words. Because they can look at you and go, well, you said. And then it's turned on you. It's not somebody else saying, well, I think you should do this. You're the one who has set this boundary. You're the one who has set the rules. It's, it's what you've said. And someone that's been there and done that can look at you and go, hey, do you remember when you said this? What are you thinking? Because I, I, I had those hard conversations, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm just stupid, you know. And it's not even that. You just get careless. Yeah. You get careless. And it takes people who love you who can look at you and out of love go, what are you thinking? Come on. Like, take you by the hand and go, we're not doing this. Like, you set these rules. We're going to stick to them, and I'm going to walk with you and do this with you. You're not, you're not alone. You don't have to be alone in this situation. You can make it through a relationship, and it can be the most amazing experience. Accountability is important, uh, but it's also interesting because so many of us think that accountability is, okay, I'm going to go to my leadership, and I'm going to – I'm going to tell them our boundaries. I'm going to tell them what we are going to do and what we're not going to do. And then we expect them to call us and text us and say, hey, are you adhering to your boundaries? That's not accountability. And the choice where you want to be successful with your boundaries is when you're honest with yourself and you're vulnerable with others. 
So you have your accountability partner, your mentorship, your leadership, your pastor is don't, they're not going to, accountability is not them checking in on you. It's you telling on yourself. Okay. And so that's something that a lot of people don't get uh, because you see how they operate. You see them have conversations and you're like, uh, like, no, that's not like people can do. Hey, can you, can you hold me accountable? Yeah, but that's, that's the wrong, it's the wrong statement. You need to hold yourself accountable. And if you really want to win, you really want victory in your relationships, then you need to hold yourself accountable and you need to tell on yourself. If you want to succeed, you have to understand you're not going to be perfect. And so that's kind of where there's a little curve in our road in our conversation um, tonight is that when we got born again, we were not perfect. We actually, we failed probably a handful of times from the time that we got saved all the way up into our engagement and some in our engagement. We slept together a few times and it was not And I'm going to tell you, it's because we did not hold ourselves accountable. It's because we made a way for it to be hidden. We made a way so that we can we can we can go into the dark areas. We can we we slipped and we said, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna adhere to our boundaries. We're gonna go ahead and get on the couch. It's cold, so we're gonna use the blanket. And hey, we're serving God. Look, as we're leading a small group, we're in a small group. We're serving on the church. I'm in the church all this hours. Look at all the stuff we're doing for God. In your mind, you can justify breaking your boundaries. And so many of us do it in some ways you don't even know, but in some of you that are not doing that, praise God, but you're not the norm. The normal ones like us, uh, you do, you try so hard, um, but yet we try to justify things that you really truly want. The greatest thing that I would say, because a lot of you, um, most of you are single, is that boundaries, boundaries are not just subjected to relationships. Boundaries start and submission starts with just you and God. And it's just you because God is so good that he comes in and he says, okay, so you've decided that you want to live for me. Great. Okay. So now, now let's change some things. Let's make some practical decisions. You know what? Maybe, and this is, this is going to fall. These are my things. Maybe seeing rated R movies might not be the best thing for you. Maybe going to bars might not be the best thing for you or having an occasional drink may not be the best thing for you. And he begins to allow you to have these lines that you really shouldn't cross anymore. You can if you want. It's probably not going to be the smartest thing. And then it'll also bring people into your life that can lead you and help you, that you have to make the choice to submit to. And the thing with submission, if you can submit to somebody that you can see, that you can touch, that you can listen to, you will be able to do that with God. I have not met one person that is unable to do that in the natural that does it supernaturally. I have never met one person that (laughs) says, oh, yeah, I hear God, all this stuff. But I'm like, okay, well, who's leading you? Well, nobody, and by myself. And their life is chaotic, and it's just destructive. And so you learn learn how to do this when you're not in a relationship, and then you learn how to submit in a relationship. And then if you're lucky enough to get engaged to that same person, then you learn how to submit to each other, and that's a totally different ballgame. And then in marriage, it's a, it's a totally different level of submission. Your level of submission and accountability starts when it's just you and God. And then it just continually progresses, just like your relationship with God continually progresses. And so, anyway, those are, those are some of the benefits of having boundaries and being submitted. Very good. I love when you share because you have so much wisdom all my years of experience. So um, just a few talking points real quick, because we've kind of, um, through our story, we've kind of, um, 
we've come up with some do's and don'ts and some things that we feel that we've learned from our relationship. And so why don't you take us through some of those? Well, it's not just our relationship. It's watching people try to date now. Like, I've talked to so many of my girls who are single, and I'm like, I feel so sorry for you. Like, it's just, God, man, the the <laughs> the picking is slim, you know? And so... <laughs> And I'm saying it not Dang. because there's not some attractive men. It's just because you men don't know how to be men. Like, y'all are some, some, some mama-loving boys. That's all I'm saying. You don't, want, you don't want girl. You don't want a wife. You want a mama. And I'm just telling you right now, that's not how we were brought up. God didn't create Eve to be Adam's mother. He created her as an answer to a problem. So Come on, ladies, somebody. <laughs> we're the answer. We're the answer. Genesis, Take pride. Genesis 2. Take pride. It was not good for man to be Take alone. Pride. We were Put thought. him to sleep and said, we're going to answer that problem real That's quick. That's right. He made us He's going to wake up. We're, yeah. So anyway, yeah. we could go. <laughs> That's an ongoing joke. When you get frustrated, I'm like, hey, I was your answer. This is true. So listen. But. <laughs> so, well, why don't you start? Because this is more, this applies more to the guys. And then I'll the first one? On the end. Yeah. Yeah, start there. I think something that we need to see, especially in your generation, is this, is that men need to respect women's purity. Men, you need to respect, and I, if I'm speaking correctly, I'll say, boys, you need, to, you, need to, you need to do that. As a man, you will do that, okay? And so you need to respect her purity, what she says, how she's living, because I will tell you, uh, I did not respect the purity, I was, I had like hidden horns and I was coming after her and I was like, she is going down. Right. And I was doing everything I could, but I did not respect that. And the same goes, um, women. But here's the thing, women, you need to let them respect your purity when you're in a relationship. Um, and hopefully this is this, I mean, this goes even into engagement. If your guy is saying, Hey babe, it's late. I've, I've got to go. And they're looking at you, and it's you know why. It's obvious. You don't even need to say it. It's pretty obvious. Hey, I got to go. Don't say, okay, but one more hug, just one more kiss. Don't linger. Don't do that because you are tempting them, and you are, you are now creating an atmosphere that you are going to regret. And so I would tell women, we, we, <laughs> we can be very devious, and we can be very manipulative. And so, oh, I will. I will. Because this is one of my biggest hang-ups hang with, with our sex is that we can, we can play this, this damsel in distress, but we can create this distress most of the time. And so a lot of the times we're the Delilahs, right? I was. Because I will tell you the times that we messed up, after, after we were supposed to be living right, I created because he was trying to do right. He was trying to leave. And I'd be like, no, like it's not, we're not going to do anything, you know. And I totally knew what I was doing. I was not oblivious. I was not stupid, even though we try to act like we are. And so women, do not do that. Allow them to be the man. There's plenty of time where you don't have to worry about that in marriage. But dating is not one of them. So allow them, allow them to be the man they're trying to be because we can tear that down real easily. I mean, you need to 
and these are just these are these are just great points. Something that we're seeing and something that we've experienced, and that is that men, you were created to be the pursuer. You were created to be the chaser. You were created to be the initiator. Okay, and so what we see is we see in this generation, and this is an epidemic more than anything, is that we as a species are too afraid to speak up and speak your intentions. And so you'll ask for her Snapchat handle before you go her phone number, right? And that's just a classic example of where we're at today is that you don't know how to walk across, state your intentions. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can we go out to eat? You would rather DM her at 2 o'clock in the morning and say, say, girl, what's up, right? Like, like that is, like, really what's happening, and, and it's kind of crazy. It's like, where do all the men go? Like, why can't you, like, you see something good, God created it, go after it. Be bold, be, be honest, be a man about it, be a gentleman about it. The art of pursuing and chivalry is, I think, is a lost art. It is. It's, so, so that needs, to, I think that is something that we need to learn from is that, guys, come on. Like, if there's a reason, I think I even, I got on my soapbox several weeks ago when I was here, and I said, if there, there's the pig of the litter's not very good because there's a bunch of boys, there's not a bunch of men, and, and women are looking around, and they're looking for this, right? Oh, yeah. But I would say, too, women, don't don't give in and be the pursuer. Don't. If you find somebody and you're like, man, they're super attractive, and you kind of think that they might feel the same way about you, do not give in and make that first step because you're setting the pace for what your whole relationship will be. If you initiate, then he never will. And I will say this. this is I, I mean, we talked about this last night laughing. He pursued me. And this was umpteen years ago. I did not, I mean, and he had to pursue me. because I, And I'm not, I wasn't even trying to, like, play a game. I really was not interested. And he was just persistent. But I'll tell you, had he not been, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. And so he's, he, you, I mean, he did great. It was awesome. We got three kids, y'all. In five years. Three kids <laughs> in five years. But y'all, you know. Father Abraham over here. <laughs> Come on, represent. <laughs> Lord just said, this is why we were created. Let's do it. Anyways, moving right along. I think this is a good one. This is something we don't need to do. We don't need to make someone God's pick. We don't need to make her or him God's pick for you. To say, God told me she's the one. God told me he's the one. You have got to stop that. God didn't tell you nothing. That was the enchiladas. That was the acid reflux. That was your lustful desires from looking at pornography. That was everything else but the voice of God. All right. I had to stand up for that one. I'm just saying. Don't say. Don't put the God stamp on it. Even after we got saved and we never, ever said, God told me I'm going to marry Brittany Burrow. No, not at all. But God did speak to me that I was supposed to pursue her in that manner. And so the relationship shifted. The relationship shifted as we drew closer to God and God became more real and relevant and real in my life. And I could hear him more so. And he was guiding me and leading me through the voice of, again, my leadership, my pastors and friends. Then it became clear, clear and clear and clear. The thing with making, sh- the thing with not putting God on something and not making it God's pick you don't realize what you're doing. You're setting yourself up for failure because you're because we're so prideful. We don't want to say, "Oh, we made a mistake." Right. So we won't. We won't say that. And you'll make it sound like God is bipolar 
or schizophrenic, and you don't know what that does to other people who may not be living for God, and you've made him this crazy figure, and really you're crazy because you need to have something justify your decision, and I'm just here to tell you it is okay to date, and it is okay to date more than one person because you are not committed until you figure out, hey, I'm really, really interested in you, and I'm really interested in knowing more about just you. I want to see what you are about. And if you're not at that place with one person, you're not committed. And you can date whoever you want to go date. And dating does not mean that you are (laughs) committed. Dating means we're dating. I'm going to date this person because I'm attracted to him physically. I would love to see, does he have a brain behind those looks? Nope. All right. Well, we're done. I'm moving on. That is, you go on one date with somebody, it doesn't mean that you're committed. You figure out, is it worth a second? Is it worth a third? Is it worth a fourth? I will say if it's worth a fourth or fifth, that may be the one person that you're like, hey, let's let's see where this goes. Let's see. So anyway, don't don't put God on something that you're physically just really interested in. Don't do it. Just don't do don't do it. It's so bad, y'all, God. It's so bad when people do that. Because you're looking at them going, God told me I'm gonna marry this person. I'm like, but did they tell him? Did, he, did they tell him? Because he's with somebody else engaged. Like, baby girl. Like, these are conversations that I've had. I'm just like, oh, God. I mean, it is the nastiest, most disgusting conversation. I'm just looking at him. I'm going, what? <laughs> My face, I'm just looking at I'm like, there's no, even, there's no sympathy there. I'm going, yeah, you need to go back and read. You need to really figure out who God is. Because you're thinking, you're thinking with some other parts of your body and trying right. to say that it's God, <laughs> and it's not. Is this okay tonight? A few more. Um, don't go into a relationship, engagement, marriage, thinking you're going to change your person. What attracted me to Brittany is something that is going to attract me to her for the rest of our life on earth. Until death do us part. It is, I'm not supposed to change that that which I fell in love with and that's something that so many people when you get together and a lot of fights and a lot of issues come out of well he's just trying or she's trying and they're trying to change each other and that's when you're like okay this is not something that's going good like what you fell in love with what you fell in chemistry with right all those things um, that's what is that's what attracted you to them so embrace it and celebrate it and go with it and have fun with it um, but when you date and you start getting that serious, that, that should be a red flag anyways. You're trying to change somebody. You're not going to change them. Um, so it's just more of a frustration than anything. Um, I'll say this last one. This is for, this is a do, and this is for when you are engaged. And I know that we have some engagement in the married couples. And I will say even in marriage, you have to be careful of this. Your friends should not know more about your dreams, your fears, your desires than your person does. Um And I have found all too often that some of my married friends, I know more about what's going on in their life than even their spouse does. Um, And that, that just, that's not even right. That's not even okay. And it just, it sets a breeding ground for distrust later um, when your spouse hears, or your significant other, I like to say your person, when your person hears something from a friend that they didn't know about, it's a, it's a, it's just a wound. And so, but that also falls under communication. And communication is an art form that you need to learn and practice. 
you need to learn how to communicate and have hard conversations and hard discussions with, with each other. And not just have it, but be able to receive it. Y'all need to learn how to communicate. 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 That's, you need to have that on repeat. Communicate. Last thing before we go into Q&A time is that most relationships, and, and, and we're guilty of this as well, I think everybody falls into this, is that the standards that you're looking at, the influences that you're looking at, are they of the world systems or are they of the kingdom of God, right? Are they, are they, are they worldly or are they kingdom? Um, and I think you need to put more of the kingdom uh, mindset in front of you in those, in those principles and the things, and those, the only place you can find that is in the word and through godly men and women in relationships. And so there should be some, some pretty solid people in your life that you're looking and aspiring to be like. Uh, there's things in their marriage, there's things in the relationships that you like, and you need to go ask them questions, and you need to counsel underneath them. You should not be uh, basing your standards off what's in today's movies, medias, uh, and what's on Instagram and social media that's half of it's not even real. And so um, I would say that we have these false expectations because we're putting the standards in our relationships based off what we see in the world. And so I know that's kind of a generality and a, just a general statement, but I think so many people do that, and I think that's what's causing you to have uh, not have successful relationships. Um, and so I would say pursue those things. Submit your relationship. If you are dating or you want to date, number one, I would say you need to submit yourself to the will of God. First and foremost, you need to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So many people, especially in relationships, and we're testimonies of this, that we're pr I was not a praying person, but I was praying at Walmart at 3 o'clock in the morning that she would not be pregnant. And that's that. He's my Savior mentality. Rescue me out of this situation. Oh, he done did this, she done done that, and I just want to get out. Like, he's our Savior, but he's not your Lord. If he's your Lord, then you're not going to get yourself in that situation because he's Lord over your life, and you surrender to him as Lord, then you're not going to have as much drama or baggage in your life. But he's just your Savior, then you're just going to go to him in a time of need, right? So Jesus Christ died so that he can be Lord and Savior over your life. And once that gets aligned, once that alignment gets right, then you, can, you need to surrender your relationship, okay? And so without going over time because we need to do this, uh, I want to open up the floor um, for any questions that you guys may have, um, and we are going to do our best, and then um, Luke, you can get ready to come up and play behind us as we get ready to close after this Q&A time. But I would ask, does anybody have any questions? And I don't know how we're going to do this, if we're going to pass a mic off. Um, they're up there on the screen. Okay, so y'all have text these in or DM'd them to the social media. So uh, I think they're going to, okay, so we're going to read them off telephone. Question number one, how... Do you try again after a heartache? How do you try again after a heartache? That's really good. I would say um, Brittany's really good with this one because we both went through, um, I basically treated you like garbage. And you broke up with me one day. We were going to Bipsy. And that morning, I called you a few choice words. We were in a bad place. I was not serving the Lord, obviously. And I, we just... <laughs> <laughs> I just remember this day like it was yesterday, and literally there was, there was I, I thought, like, I, I don't know if I'll ever get this serious again. I just don't know if the investment was worth that moment and that heartbreak and her just, like, doing that. And so do you want to speak to this question? Yeah, I would just, well, here's just very practical. If you want to be single for the rest of your life, then don't. 
don't try. But I would say that 100% of us really don't want to do that. And so get back up on the horse and try again and realize that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to do that because time heals all. Um, and I'm, I know it's kind of funny, but seriously, like, time will heal your heart. God's allowed that process to work so well. Um, and you, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> all relationships, not, not even romantic ones, can hurt you. And sometimes your friendships can hurt you worse than a romantic one. And so if that's happened and you still have a circle of friends, then you can do this. It's, it's completely fine. And so I would just say don't, don't be intimidated don't be afraid to put yourself out there and to be vulnerable and to open yourself up to it because it's, a, it's an incredible thing to be in a relationship. It's a great blessing when it's done right, um, and it'll fulfill you in so many ways that you, didn't, you weren't even aware of. And so I would hate for somebody to miss out on that because you got your heart broken once. And here's the other thing. I would evaluate your past relationship. Why did you get your heart broken? What did you do? Were you were you doing something you weren't supposed to be doing? Were you invested in the wrong thing? I mean, ask yourself, learn from it. Just learn from it. That's really good. Second question is this. Um, do you have a hard, con- how do you have a hard conversation with someone, someone you were dating about your past sex life? Okay. And so this is a really good question. How do you have a hard conversation with someone you were dating about your past sex life? Well, if you see this. Yeah, this falls. This is a big one. Um, if you are seeing this person as somebody as a potential, like, why are we dating? We're not dating to have fun. We're dating to see maybe if possibly they could be my always and forever, right? Right. So that's like that's why we're dating. We're not dating because we want to pass time or six months before I move off and hey, let's have a side piece, right? Like that's not why we're dating. We're dating because we want to make sure, like this could be why. So um, if you have a past, even if it's a little bit of a past, even if it's third base or you hit a home run with 15 people, it doesn't matter. You have to have this conversation, right? You have to talk. You have to be like, okay, here's honest. Go ahead. You were about to chime in. Just don't do it on the first date. Yeah, yeah. don't scare them off. Like, be smart. <laughs> yeah, use some wisdom in this. Be if smart. you see the relationship going somewhere, have the talk. Have the talk. Be honest. And, and the, here's the truth is, if they see the potential in you, then they're going to realize, okay, and if they're Mr. or Mrs. Wright, I believe personally that they're going to look beyond that and be like, oh, they're so honest, and they have a past. Well, we can work with honesty, but if you hold it in and then it's exposed down the road somehow, some way, then you're not honest, that's going to cause problems. And the thing with this about this particular thing is God is so great about restoring you, um, and your past is your past. And it's not going to affect your future if you've communicated it the right way and it's the right person. It's not going to affect your future. And God's so great about restoring relationships and restoring who you are. So just because it's your past doesn't mean it's you. It's a part of your story, but it's not who you are. Because if that was the case, we would not have been together. I'm not going to go so further true. than that, but we wouldn't so have been together. We wouldn't have been together. So why are you rubbing me? Because I love you. That's very good, very good, very good. Question three, what's the problem with having sex before marriage? (laughs) I love that this is really a question. (laughs) What's not the problem? Yeah, so like there's a thought of, okay, here's a mindset. I think this is a very general statement that we can apply to this question. We can apply to all things. 
most of us, like I said before, most of us are trying to justify our sin, right? That's biblical. We will do, think, and say whatever we can to weasel our way around to get and do what we want. How many would agree with that? Right? Right? So if that's the case, here's what we have to start doing. It is the mindset, it's the mentality, son versus slave, okay? Are you a are you a son and daughter of God, or are you a slave to your sin, right? And so you have to think. It, it, the, the slave, right, would ask, well, what's wrong with that? Well, why can't I do that? Well, what's, what's, what, what's going to happen if I do that? I think what we need to stop asking is what's wrong with it, and we need to start asking what's right with it. You need to go into the situation. You need to go into that relationship and go, well, what's right with it? Can you answer what's right with it? Right? And stop asking what's wrong with it. Because what's wrong with it, we can find a lot of things that's not wrong with it. We can, I think the list, we can justify it because we want it. But it's harder, and I think it pushes you to be more honest to say, well, what's really right with it? What's right with having sex? Let's ask this question this way. What's right with having sex before marriage? What's right about it? Other than it feels great. Other than, but that's not even right. So can you answer the question, what's right with having sex before marriage? I think what's wrong with it is all the baggage that it comes with. Well, just, yeah, well, that obviously is that. But then there's also, if you end up with this person that you've had sex with before marriage, I, w- I, was, watching, I was watching a podcast on relationships, and the, the, the female that was speaking, she said what it does is in the person that you are with, if if he were to ever, let's just hypothetically, she was using like a business trip. If y'all went on this trip together, if you went on vacation together, and y'all had sex, and then y'all get married, everything's great. He has to go on a business trip, and he's in a hotel by himself. You will think this this seed is planted at that time, and it does come across. And you're thinking, okay, well, if he did it with me, who's to say that he won't do it now? And it just gives, it gives your mind a foothold to mess with you. And so it's just, it's not worth the, 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 the games, the mental games that it will create for you to battle. And they're unnecessary. I mean, relationships are so hard and they come with so many, so many different obstacles that you have to maneuver anyway without adding to them. Because that's never one that you needed to, that you needed to add anyway. And on top of that, it creates soul ties. And that's a totally different, you can you could expound on that for so long, but what I will say about soul ties is soul ties are so dangerous because you don't know that you have a soul tie until you're out of a destructive relationship. And soul ties tie you to the, per- tie, it's not, it may not even be the person that you're going to marry, but they tied you to somebody who has a hold on you even though you don't know it. So if you married somebody and you've had sex with all these other people, if you're at Starbucks getting a coffee and this person walks in the door, there's an, there's an intimacy that you've had with this person. There's an attraction that you've had with this person that you should have only had with your husband. And it's creating, it's creating an atmosphere of, of distrust that you, shouldn't have to, that you shouldn't have to battle. And I think, too, is, is you can look at it this way. If that person's not the one, then you're having sex with somebody else's wife. You're having sex with somebody else's husband. Is that what you want to do? Right? Yeah, nobody wants to do that, right? So, like, let's, let's talk about it. Like, this is the elephant in the room. Let's discuss it. It's right standing right there. Like, if that's not the one, if anything can happen, you're choosing to do that. And so that, that's, 
kind of intense and deep, but it's a good thought. Moving on to the fourth question. You want to read this one? No. Okay. What were the boundaries that you two set when you were trying to get back on track? Well, I'll tell you this. It was not to be alone. So we did group dates, kind of like The, ba the Bachelor. <laughs> it's so funny when you say group dates. It's all I get to think about. And I'm like, this is god awful. But no, we did we did group we did group dates. We we did our very very best to not be alone together. Um, we had a time a curfew that we set yep. where we didn't hang out after that. Um, what was another one? We never got naked. Yep. <laughs> now you can't. Kept our clothes on, guys. That was it. <laughs> Except for those few times that we messed up, apparently. Um, the question was anyway. trying to get on the right track. Yeah. Keep your clothes on. All right. There was a lot. And, it, and, it, and again, we don't have to reinvent the wheel with these boundaries. You just have to understand, like, like, what is going to keep you in line and do that? Question five, through your entire love life, what is the biggest thing that you learned that you want your kids to carry forever? That is a good question. That's a great question. Okay. Through your entire love life, what is the biggest thing that you learned that you want your kids to carry forever? You gonna start? Yeah. Because that's a huge one. That is. Um, She's eight, my oldest, so I'm not thinking about that right now, I guess. <laughs> um, gosh, to be excited and to have fun. Like, that's the biggest thing. When you talk about, when you talk about a love life, um, I want, and we do this now, um, we teach our kids that you don't just, you don't just date before marriage, you date after. Like, our kids have this ongoing joke. They're like, you're going on another date? You're like, yeah. And so we want our kids to know that, you know, dating is fun. Dating is exciting. Um, that he teaches he teaches our girls that he sets the standard on, on dating for them. Like he gets dressed up, the girls get dressed up, and he comes to the front door, and he gets them from the front door. He opens the car door. Like he's, he's setting the standard for our, for our kids to know this is what dating looks like. This is, this is what you're supposed to do. And so I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing is teaching them what it's supposed to look like. Be excited about it because it is fun. Um, it's nothing to dread and go, oh, this is going to be so hard. It's not anything like that because if it was that way, then nobody would serve God because serving God can be really hard. And I don't see anybody going, oh, it's going to be hard. I want to do it. I mean, you just, you just adapt and you do it. And so that's, I would say that. No, it's good. Real good. Question number six. Great question. Um, why is it bad to watch pornography? Why is it bad to watch pornography? And I will speak from experience from this, and I'll just be very open with you and say that I had a pornography addiction, uh, obviously, when I was not living for God, and also after I got born again and I'm serving the church. And listen, it crept into my life. Um, as I'm serving, dedicated into the church, I'm so, like, in love with the local church. I'm leading a small group. I'm in a small group. Discipleship and all the word and all the stuff, all the good things that we need to be doing. And I had a pornography addiction. And so I will tell you this. Um, what it does for men is that you, you begin to look at them as an object versus a person. And, and also, when it became something when you're intimate with somebody, you're not connecting with her. I'm connecting with it. And so there's, it's lust. It's driven by lust and not love. 
And so for me, it just distorts everything that God created and, 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 and um, wanted when it became for us to be intimate in a marriage. Um, it was just the enemy trying to distort that for men. And, that, and that's, that's one of the biggest things is um, it, 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 it really brings the lust factor into it, and that's not of God. Um, for women, it's I mean, it's the same. It's not women. I think well, statistically, women don't watch porn as much as they read it um, because we are more. We're not visual. We're more mental, and so women will read novels and they don't feel like that's pornography, but it is. And so women have the same addictions as men do. Um, what I will say is, as a as as a woman on the opposite side of my person dealing with it, um, it create. I f- I felt very rejected. Um, and less than. And so it just, if you have that, you don't need anybody else. And so you have to be very careful with that because you're you're creating an atmosphere where it's just you. You on an island, you by yourself, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a one-person show. So It is, and I wish we could have more time to talk about this, and maybe we do a series or something about that, but it's a big, it's a big issue, and it's an epidemic, really, in your generation right now, is that it's kind of acceptable, and it's not acceptable, and it's totally against uh, everything God wants for you in your life, and so if that's something that you're doing, I would suggest that you find somebody after tonight, and if there's something you're struggling with or going through, and you go get counsel, and you go work this out, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to bring conviction into your life, because it's distorting God's uh, picture and what he wants for marriage in your life and relationships, and so... We'll make this last one. Uh, you can bring up question number seven. How do I move on from an emotional soul tie? We would go, um, we had something in our church uh, as soon as a, we had what was called encounters. And so there were weekend retreats. And we would go and we would go through all these sessions. And um, soul ties were definitely brought up. And how do you move on from them? You don't move on from them. You face it. You admit it. And there's even a time I was taught that I, I did something. I would write down my soul tie, whoever that person was. And I would suggest that you go and you write it down and you face it and you ask God to help you break that soul tie. You don't move from it. You don't leave it in the past. My suggestion is that you look at it face on. You address it and don't ignore it. And you realize and, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, he will help you break that soul tie and release you from that person and your past. And that only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know what you believe in this room. I don't know your spiritual journey and all your, where you're at in your faith. But I will say the Holy Spirit is still active today. He's still moving and he's, he is why the church is alive today. And so that's a big part of the Holy Spirit in your life is to help you break those things and heal from those things. Because healing has to happen. Restoration has to happen, and that's a process. You can't just move on from it. That's what I was going to say. I'll finish it up with um, having a soul tie. It really is another form of unforgiveness, um, and usually it's you not being able to forgive yourself for doing something that you knew probably in the back of your mind wasn't a good idea um, because we judge ourselves harder than anybody else ever will. And so you need to get over yourself, which is a form of pride, and forgive yourself talk to somebody, which that goes into, you know, being submitted under leadership and having leadership look at you and go, hey, let's pray together. Let's figure this out. And you can, you can, uh, release is the best, is the best word for it. You can be released from a burden because that's what it is. It's a, it's a burden. 
this message encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website, 318live.co. And we hope that you have the best day ever.